0: Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Springwell. So glad to see all of you guys today. You doing good? Everybody feeling good? Great. Well, hey, thanks for joining us. If this is your first time with us, then welcome. We're so glad to have you. In fact, you picked a great Sunday to join us because this morning we're kicking off a brand new series called The Unexpected. And over the next few weeks, uh, actually, let me ask, how many people in the room have experienced unexpected events in your life that just left you feeling like life was just completely turned upside down? All of us, right? All of us in the room. Over the next few weeks, what we're going to discover together is that in the midst of unexpected events, how we can find unexpected healing from Jesus. So we're excited about that. Uh, to get us started this morning we're going to teach you a brand new song so why don't you go ahead and stand maybe greet a few people around you and then we're going to learn a new song together
1: Tries to roll over my bones when sorrow comes to steal the
0: joy I own. When brokenness and pain is all I know, oh, I won't be
1: shaking. No, I won't be shaking. This is the chorus. My fear doesn't stand the chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand the chance when I stand in
2: your love. My fear doesn't stand stand the chance when I stand.
0: are sounding great so far this morning. Um, I know that we've learned uh, a brand new song already so far, but is it okay if we teach you one more new song? Is that cool? Um, So here's the thing about this song is not only is it a new song, but this is an original song, meaning that our worship team wrote this song. Uh, We wrote the lyrics, we wrote the music, and we're so excited to sing it together this morning. Uh, The song is called You Alone. And here's the purpose behind the song is to remind us of how big, how great, how wonderful, and how powerful our Heavenly Father is. Uh, I think that sometimes in the midst of unexpected events, uh, sometimes we can lose perspective on how big God is and how great He is and how faithful He is. Uh, In the middle of the struggle, it can sometimes be hard to remember that He is faithful That he's constant, that he hasn't left us. Uh, When life surrounds us with chaos, uh, sometimes it can be hard to remember that God is still in control. Um, So, we are excited uh, to teach this song to you this morning. We're excited to sing it together. But are you ready to hear it? All right, this is called You Alone. this song is, I love that lyrically, this song, um, if you'll notice, it never mentions us. It, it's only referring to God. In the verses, it talks about him being the creator. It talks about even the angels bow before him, uh, that all creation is within, within his control. And the chorus is, you alone are worthy. You alone are holy. The only time in the song, that it mentions us is where it says, so we see glory, glory, hallelujah, praise to you alone. I think sometimes in our worship, sometimes we make it about us. Um, we make it about Jesus, you did this for me, and so now I am filling the blank. And I think that's good, I think it's good to praise, it's good to be thankful, but I think sometimes we just need to focus on God. We need to be reminded of who God is and just simply respond to that. I think that's our foundation. I think that's when we're in the middle of an unexpected circumstance. That's the foundation that will get us through is remembering God, this is who you are. So as a result, let me just give you the glory. Let me give you the praise and all of the honor because you alone are worthy, you alone Have all the power. So can we go back? You know it now. Can we go back and sing the bridge? And we'll sing the chorus again. Let's just blow the roof off of this place. Can we sing loud at the top of our lungs? Just give him glory this morning. Let's sing it.
2: we thank you so much for this morning. God, that you're the reason that we're even able to be up here, God. To be able to create something that brings complete honor and glory to you. We thank you so much for that. And I thank you so much for these people and for this church. And we love you and praise you. And I pray this in your name, amen. You guys can take a seat.
3: My name is Alex Reese. I've been coming to Springwell for about three years. How I got involved was I answered an ad for a handyman on Instagram, and I messaged about it, and they called me in for the interview. I think the biggest influence of God uh, using me in Springwell is just the change he's put in me. When I first started going to Springwell, I really didn't talk to anybody or, you know, I wasn't really used to any kind of community. I would actually like almost count the carpet squares to my seat and when I got plugged into Springwell, I just met a lot of people that I just, I've probably walked past a hundred times and never talked to that have become some of my best friends. Connecting at Springwell and getting plugged in and volunteering and working, it helped me to be able to reach out and talk to people and not feel as though I was doing life by myself. Um, I'd never known this kind of community at a church and it's just awesome that, you know, how many people I know now and talk to on a regular basis. If I could talk to my former self, about getting involved at Springwell. I would tell myself just how incredibly different life is being involved as opposed to not being involved. And just the spiritual growth I've experienced is something that I never would have thought possible.
0: Can you guys give it up for Alex? do awesome I love Alex's story and you know I love the fact that uh, so much of his story involves community and relationship that he found here at Springwell and I know that Alex's story is just one of many um, people who, who found community who found relationship here and as a result of that their life has been changed um That's the reason that we we give uh, to Springwell each and every week. It's not to uh, facilitate lights or sound or anything like that, but it's all about relationship and it's about community and it's about people finding Jesus and restoration in their life and finding
1: hope. Um,
0: So we're going to receive our offering this morning. Uh, If you are a guest with us, then please know that this time it's not expected of you. Uh, to give we don't even ask that of you today Uh, you can just sit back and relax and and thank you for being here Uh, if you are a regular guest then you'll know that there are a number of ways that you can give one using the kiosk out in the lobby Uh, you can also text in your giving to the number that's going to be on the screen uh, in just a moment or you can give the old-fashioned way which is by using the given bucket as it comes down your row so let me pray for us and then we're going to receive our offering together Father, thank you again for this morning. God, thank you for uh, just your presence in this room. God, thank you for Alex. Thank you for uh, his story, Lord, for his life change that's taking place. Um, God, I thank you for Springwell, and I thank you for the impact that it's had on my life. God, the change in my life that I've experienced through community, um, God, through this place. Father, I pray that you would continue to bless this place. Bless the people that walk through the door. Um, God, help us all just to experience more of you. Um, Lord, to experience the power of relationship and community in our lives. Um, God, I just pray over this time, I pray over this offering, Father, that you would just continue to use that to make an impact in the people within our community. And Father, we just thank you for all that you do. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, Amen. If you're sitting on the interview row, you may pass the giving bucket at this time.
4: Good morning. Good morning. If you think I look bad? You should see the other guy. I was in this bar on Friday night, and I'm just kidding. <laughs> it wouldn't really surprise you, would it? Um, but I wasn't. I wasn't. Uh, actually, I had surgery. Uh, Friday was a week ago, and uh, I had a little rotator cuff tear. Actually, it was a big rotator cuff <laughs> tear, and uh, but he got that fixed, and so it's been amazing. Really, it's been amazing. Uh, I am so humbled by uh, my experience, even surgical stuff that I've had done, I uh, had total shoulder uh, two and a half, three years ago, I don't know, five years ago, ten years ago, anyway, it was just a few years ago, and uh, I didn't have any pain there, and uh, I mean, when I say none, I mean, I never had any pain, none, zip, nada, nothing, so I wasn't sure what to anticipate or expect with this one, and so I had the surgery on Friday, I woke up about 1.30 or so Saturday morning, I said, hello, <clears throat> welcome to the pain world. And so, uh, I got all medicated up, and y'all don't know, you know what to say, do you? You know, it was prescribed by my doctor, I'm just saying. So, I got all medicated up, and uh, long story short, about 6.30, I woke up, and I mean, I'm in excruciating pain, really, I'm not kidding you. No matter what I took, it wasn't helping anything, and uh, I really don't like pain medication at all. I'm not joking about that at all, so uh, Karen watched out over me really carefully, and and cautiously and, and I hurt it really intense for maybe four hours, I don't know, five hours, and then and then honestly the pain was gone. And for me, uh it was like somebody walked over and just flipped the light switch. And that's it. And I didn't hurt anymore. However, please don't walk up and grab my shoulder. <laughs> this is church and this is Sunday. You don't want to hear your pastor say those things. You just don't want that you don't want to hear that coming out of my mouth. And it might before I can stop myself, okay? So and I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? There you go. I just also want to take just a second. I just have to do this and just thank uh, Brian and Katie for last week. Were they not amazing? Come on. Come on. Wow. And and I'm not kidding. You. Just Karen and I were at home. Uh, it was probably the best place for me to be. And, uh, Although I wasn't crazy about it, it probably was the best place for me to be. And, and so we were watching, and I just thought, wow. I mean, we, these people are so goofy talented that it's crazy. It's, I mean, it's just, wow. And I don't know, because we have so many people that, of, of you that have never been to church before. <laughs> you don't know just how good they are. There's another about 50% of you that really, if you've been in church for any period of time at all, just, just the way that they carry themselves. How they carry themselves is phenomenal. But let me tell you what's bigger than that. It's the vision. Man, it's the vision. It's a heart to say that what we want to do as a church is we want to partner with you as parents. We want to walk through this stuff with you. And we want to give you as many resources as we can. And I believe that at this particular uh, stage of our history that we're, we're going to be the best we've ever been in partnering with, with you to help you raise your kids, to give you tons of resources. Uh, this, this, I mean, I'm not, if I was a parent, honestly, this would be the place that I'd want to be. Uh, I'd want to I'd know that I had a church that was behind me and willing to help me to uh, navigate this really difficult state sometimes called parenting. So will you just help me one more time, just give them a huge... Sweet. So we're starting a brand new series today called The Unexpected. And I know that we've all had those little unexpected moments in our lives that really can kind of stop us dead in our tracks. I'll never forget one unexpected moment for me that happened while I was, uh, was in seminary. Yep, that's right. I'm educated. I know you're shocked. Those of you said, you went to seminary? Yeah, I graduated and everything. So anyway, I went to seminary and I was this was in summer school. I was taking a couple classes in summer school because I had two goals, really, when I entered my seminary career. Those seminary days, I had two goals. The first one's kind of spiritual. <laughs> That'll probably shock you. I don't know why, but it'll probably shock you. So my first goal when I entered seminary was I wanted to learn how to do good, solid, biblical exegesis. That's a big, fancy word learn that in seminary. Aren't you proud? See there? It shows I did do something. I did go to class, actually, not like I, you know, un, like I did when I was in high school. But anyway, so I actually went to class, I learned a few things, and I wanted to know how to break down Scripture. I wanted to be really comfortable with being able to take the Bible, read a passage, and then be able to know what it said, and to be able to try to teach other people what it said as well. Second goal, not quite so spiritual. I just wanted out. I don't know if you heard me. I wanted out. Um, people would say, what plan are you on? You had different plans in seminary. i said, say, I'm on the OUT plan. Don't believe I've heard of that one. I want out as quickly as I possibly can. So because of that, I was taking every class that they offered. They had j terms. I took classes in January. I took them in June. I took them in the summer. And so this was one of those summertime experiences for me. I wanted out, and so to accomplish that goal, I was taking every class I could possibly take. So one night, uh, I was up late studying. I was in the kitchen, which was on the first floor in our little seminary apartment, I was in the kitchen on the first floor. The bathroom was on the second floor. It's very important that you remember. The bathroom was on the... That's right. It was about 1 a.m. when I found the need for that bathroom, which was? On the second floor. Well, being the creative guy that I am, I tried to think of another word. That's all I could come up with was creative. Being the creative guy that I am, I decided that I would like step out the back door. Now wait a minute, <laughs> don't freak out <laughs> yet. Yeah. There were just woods. That's all that was behind us was woods. So y'all, some of y'all got nervous, but don't. I'm not that crazy. Well, I am that crazy, but I wasn't going to do that in seminary. So right outside of, of our, you know, our apartment, there was just woods, and so I thought, you know what? I'll just go out there and do my business. Did I mention that all I was wearing was my tidy whiteys? <laughs> some of you were offended. The story was not going to be near as sweet, if you don't understand. And and before you judge me, let me just say, it was 1 1 a.m. in the morning, and Jesus did not care what I was wearing. It was hot. It was summertime. And nobody in seminary housing could afford air conditioning. So anyway, I carefully and ever so cautiously stepped out the back door, and I thought, how do I word this? Next part. So all I come up with, I took my position. (laughs) That's pretty good, isn't it? I took my position when an unexpected puff of wind blew the door shut. And wouldn't you know it, the door was... uh. So there I am, standing outside in my tighty whiteys one o'clock in the morning... And the door's locked, which wouldn't have been quite so bad, but we were like the middle apartment, okay? So are you with me? So I, as far as I can see to the right, <laughs> as far as I can see to the left, I mean, I got to go one way or the other. And we're in the middle. And then I have to go across the side, you know, up the side of the apartments, and then, and then down to the front. Now, I wasn't worried. It wasn't a big deal because I knew that the front door was unlocked. We never locked the front door, did we, baby? I mean, like never, ever, ever. I don't even know if it worked because let's be honest, we didn't have anything to steal. (laughs) I mean, if a thief had broke into our house, they'd say, bless their heart. We need to do one of them GoFundMe pages for them and see if we can't come up with some furniture or something, you know, for these folks. We didn't really have anything to to steal. So I did what any young seminarian would do. I began to pray. And I prayed that the Lord would give me God's speed. Y'all with me to my front door. So I ran across the back. I ran across, the, and I'm telling you, I wish I kind of wish I had a video of that. I mean, because I mean, I was graceful. I ran across the back. When I got to the edge, when I got to the corner, I, I turned. I went up the side, and then when I got to the end, let me just say that I was running with the grace and the speed of a gazelle. It was a beautiful thing to watch. I'm sure, kind of. When I got to the front, I realized I was not the only person up studying. (laughs) In fact, it was like every other apartment. In fact, it seemed like almost every apartment, there was a student up late studying. And the bad thing is they were right beside their windows. With their windows open, the tea was hot summertime, and this was seminary housing. We had no money, and so the windows were open, and I could hear typewriters. I mean, I'm telling you. So I'm thinking, Lord. Give me the speed of that gazelle in grace once more. And so I prayed and I took off. And let me just say, you would have been proud. I don't know how I did it. But like I turned the knob, dove in to my apartment all at the same time. I did like a Superman, then rolled. It was a thing of beauty. (laughs) Work with me, Work, work with me here. You know, some some unexpected moments are funny. Others, not so much. Watch this. July 19th,
5: 2003. My life changed forever. It was early morning. I was at work. The phone rang. See, I had been praying for both of my boys for quite some time. They were both struggling with addiction. I answered the phone, and it was Jeremy. And all I remember him saying was, Mama, he's not breathing. I can still hear those words in my head now. Just like it was yesterday. You see, Justin had spent the night with his brother Jeremy that night, and they were both going to work with their daddy that morning. Tim and I, thankfully, were working at the same post office at the time, and we raced to Jeremy's house. We prayed the whole way. When I got there, I saw the EMS, fire trucks, ambulance. I get out and walk to the driveway, and Mike meets me in the driveway and he says they did all they could he's gone I can still hear those words today Justin was gone it's not right it's so wrong it can't be real Justin died that day the next few days were filled with planning a funeral parents should never have to do that for their child it's just wrong Justin was 22 years 6 months and 10 days old and he was gone he was a mama's boy I loved it and he loved it several of his girlfriends teased him about it but he didn't care he was kind he was tender hearted His smile would light up the room. And his eyes, he had beautiful eyes. He was a good hugger. I miss his hugs. He loved well. The autopsy report finally came in, and it said that it was small vessel disease, which is a heart condition that we didn't know he had. I thought that it would help knowing how, but it didn't. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't work. I could barely breathe. Sometimes I'd feel myself catching my breath and realizing I was holding my breath. I was angry. I was angry at God. I was angry at myself. I felt guilt. It must be my fault. I'm his mom. I'm supposed to protect him. I'm supposed to keep him safe. What did I do wrong? I knew he was in heaven because I knew his heart. But I felt like I had to be there to see that everything was all right. I felt hopeless.
4: Unexpected tragedies can kill hope. It, it kills hope because it feels like that we've come to an end. Not that something's come to an end, but that we've come to an end. And in some ways, maybe we have. But coming to the end of a chapter doesn't necessarily have to be the end of our story. I love this passage out of Zechariah. I'm going to go through a few verses, and I'm going to try to give you a little bit of background so you'll understand what's going on. Zechariah chapter 9, starting with verse 9, says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, a foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off. He shall speak peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea. And from the river to the ends of the earth, God will save his people. As for you also, because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to the stronghold. And wait for it, wait for it. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today, I declare that I will restore double to you. The end of the chapter, the end of a chapter, doesn't have to feel like the end of your story if you're a prisoner of hope. And you're going to have to just stay with me for a little bit because let me be honest with you, hope can be difficult. Hope can be extremely difficult when you face some of these unexpected tragedies, these unexpected tragedies, difficulties of life when you absolutely are hanging on to everything you have just to find maybe a ray of hope. Let me give you a little bit of the backstory. For 70 years, the children of Israel had been held captive in Babylon. Now, if you've been around church at all, if you know anything about the Old Testament, children of Israel were held captive for 70 years because of, y'all must be like the unspiritual crowd. I must have had all of them in the first verse. I'm just kidding. Kind of. Just kidding. Uh, because of their sin, right? And, and specifically because they decided that they wanted to worship another god. And, and so God said, okay, if that's what you want it, I'm going to let you have it. And so they experienced the consequences of their sin. And so for 70 years, 70 years, I don't know why we read that like, you know, 70 years is not a big deal. 70 years is a really good lifetime. 70 years they had been held captive. And while in that 70 years their enemy destroyed their homeland, they destroyed it. And when they finally returned home, after these 70 years and God set them free, after the 70 years they returned home, they found nothing but destruction. For them, Jerusalem and the temple had to be rebuilt because it had been destroyed. Doesn't mean a lot to us. We don't think about that. We don't think in terms that the church was where God lives. You know, I grew up thinking that way. That's kind of the way I grew up thinking. When I went to church, I mean, you had to be quiet in church. Hello, is any of you raised in that same church? You could not run in church. I always wondered, why? And nobody, nobody that's, that's not very reverent. Why? I think God's cool with it. He gave me these two legs and said, run, boy, run. You know, I just, I don't understand. And so, but for these folks, that was where God resided. That was the presence of their God. He he lived, he resided in temples. Jerusalem was their homeland. And for that to be destroyed, just added insult to injury. But in the midst of their despair, Zechariah spoke hope. This is important. He spoke hope for their future. In other words, their story was still being written in spite of the fact that the reason that they were where they were was because of their own sin. Zechariah speaks and says, listen, this this is the end of a chapter. It's a really bad chapter. It's a really long chapter. It's a very difficult chapter, but it's only a chapter of the story of your life. Your story's still being written. There's still hope for the future. So, I've been working through this for the last few weeks, and I thought as I kind of processed this, as I got to this place, I thought, you know what? I guess we better kind of give a definition of hope. How do you know hope is the thing that you've lost unless you really know what hope is? So let me give you my definition for hope. It's not really flowery. I didn't get it off the Internet. I just kind of made this up on my own. Here's what it is. It's unshakable confidence in God. I'm sorry, I tried to come up with something better, you know? This, let, me, let me say one more time. It's unshakable confidence in God. Now let me make sure that you understand this. It does not, hope does not deny the reality of your pain. I was raised in that church. I was raised in the church, no matter what you went through, no matter what kind of loss you suffered, that, that grief was almost something that, that Christians did not experience. That hurt, that pain was almost something that Christians did not experience. And if you expressed that you were depressed, if you expressed that you were hurt, if you expressed that you were angry at God or at least confused about God's plan, then dude, they would look at you like you were the devil himself, you know? And so what you had to do was fake it till you make it. You had to put on that that fake smile and just say, I believe in God, I'm good, when on the inside, You're falling apart. So let me make sure I say it again. Hope doesn't deny the reality of your pain. But it does give us life beyond our pain. It's believing that it ain't over until it's over. And then with Jesus, I know this sounds over spiritual, forgive me. But even with with Jesus, even when it's over, it ain't over. Hope gives us permission to believe that a new chapter is being written. It's always looking to God with this this belief of expectation. Psalm 39 maybe says it pretty good. And now, Lord, what do I wait for? I love the the gut level honesty of the psalmist. What do I wait for? And then he says, because my hope is in you. What am I waiting for? I'm waiting on you. My hope is in you. I got nowhere else to go but you. That's what it means to have hope. When we lose hope, when all we can feel is the pain of loss and disappointment, it can be hard to believe that God can. I know. Church, it's Sunday morning. I'm not supposed to say stuff like that, but it's true. I mean, there'll be verses of Scripture that maybe you'll read, and yet you'll read those verses and they seem empty. But you know what? I'll be honest with you. With some of the things that I've been through in my life, I could almost handle it if I could come to the, to the, to the to, if, if I could in my mind understand that the reason that God does not is that he cannot, I could accept that. I really could. One of the sweetest things I've experienced in my life is to go through some of the most difficult of circumstances but to have powerless people that are standing beside me. They can't do anything. They can't offer me anything. They can't make things better. They can't bail me out of the situation I'm in or fix my hurt or my pain. But just knowing that they're there, right, sometimes is enough. And there have been times in my life when I thought, God, if I just thought you couldn't, I could accept that better than to think that you can but you won't so it leaves us with more questions and answers more doubt than faith and yet and yet it's the perfect time to become a prisoner of hope in fact it's the only way that you can Become a prisoner of hope. It's going to be through pain. It's going to be through heartache. It's going to be through disappointment. It's going to be through loss. But I guess being a prisoner of anything probably doesn't sound like something anybody would want to be. Anybody like me? Any of y'all watch those prison shows on TV? Go ahead. Don't be ashamed. Locked up abroad. Go ahead. Get your hands up. It's all right. We're going to pray for you. I'm, I'm right there with you. And then then there's those other shows, you know, there, there are those other shows about the men that are locked up and the women that are locked up. I love that stuff. And you know what, every single time I do, you know, I'm always under that impression. I think, you know, prisoners being locked up, they're in high security institutions. And you know, the thing that overwhelms me more than anything is I think they are stripped of their freedom. So why would anybody want to be characterized as a prisoner of anything. But some of you this morning already know that you're a prisoner. Maybe you're a prisoner of grief. Maybe you're a prisoner of your own sin. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe you're a prisoner of, of, of the thoughts in your own head. Being a prisoner of hope in Jesus is different. God's uh, prisoners of hope aren't forced into an institution for punishment. Watch this. But invited into an institution for safety. It's not confinement. It's freedom. Uh, Imagine a fortress that's been created just for us, where we can chain ourselves to the promises of God, promises like that God will work all things for our good and for his glory. Think about it for a moment that you could be chained to a promise and that you would hold God to his promise. Because sometimes that's all you got. Imagine from this high tower of this fortress, we as prisoners of hope can look beyond our unexpected circumstances to the future. Trusting that God has good things in store for us. But here's the difficult thing. You have to choose to believe. We have to decide to believe the truth of God's word, be held captive by the promises of God over the facts of our circumstances. I'm sure that most of you probably remember the story of David and Goliath. Yeah, everybody? Yeah, whether you've been in church or not, right? Uh, How many times every year could you watch ESPN and somebody, some team is being compared to that, that little bitty nobody nothing team is facing the big Goliath. And they'll talk about that even on something like ESPN. If you don't know the story, it's a story about a little shepherd boy named David who killed a giant named Goliath, and when I say a giant named Goliath, I'm talking about he was a giant. I don't know how people know these kinds of things, but they say back in the day, they say literally that he was probably somewhere between eight and nine foot tall. I'm talking about a giant among men. He was huge. And yet David, this little bitty, no nothing knobby-kneed shepherd boy, who wasn't even considered valuable enough to be a part of the army, faced him. Face to face, head on, with nothing more than a slingshot and five smooth stones. The story's found in 1 Samuel 17. Here's what it says. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, it disdained him. For he was only a ruddy youth. And good looking. So the Philistine said to David, am I a doll? Are you kidding me? And I'm thinking to myself, every time I read this, I think, you know, how bad can it be to be bigger than the guy that you're fixing to fight? Hello, anybody besides me? I'm thinking, it don't sound like it's such a bad deal to me. I mean, I'd rather know I'm going into a fight with a guy, that's a little bitty thing, rather than some big giant of a man. Anyway, I guess that's just me. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods, and the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Goliath showed up with the facts of the circumstances. That's what he showed up with. He showed up with the facts of the circumstances. He said, I'm bigger than anybody y'all got. I mean, I am the baddest man in our army. I know that I can defeat anybody in your army. I am the most well-equipped soldier that we have. I mean, my shield it would be like the, the hood of a car. I mean, I am bad. I have all of this equipment and all of these weapons, and you show up like that? It's a joke. But David showed up with hope. Oh, I like that. I wrote that a long time ago. It's still good. Then David said to the Philistine, (laughs) like, you come to me with a sword? Don't you think that's good? He had to have a little sass to him. With a spear and with a javelin? But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. This day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God. He is the one and only God, and He is in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with the sword and spear for the battle, the battle is the Lord. You, you come to me with all of this equipment, with all of these weapons, with being a giant of a man, probably on steroids. I'm just saying. You come to me like that and you think, you think for a second that you can defeat me. The battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. And I love this our hands. I almost went back and thought, there's got to be something wrong. Our hands? Here's a young lad that could have been cocky and bold. He didn't even stand. Arrogantly, but said, the battle's not mine. Today, we will see God defeat you. So David defeated the giant because he believed the word of the Lord over the facts of the circumstances. He understood what God wants us to understand. The facts can change, but the truth never does. And the truth, the truth alone has the power to help us to move from the hopelessness of what is to the hope of what can be. When when we choose, and it's a choice. And I, I'm going to say some things I'm going to be a little uncomfortable with, but that's just my walk. It's just where I'm at. It's where I've been. When we choose to become prisoners of hope, we don't exchange freedom for confinement. We exchange one prison for another. And, and I say that, and I think, well, probably, don't want to, probably don't want to tell people that. <laughs> hey, are you in prison? Guess what? I want to give you another prison. Probably doesn't like, that doesn't really sound like that. With, but you, you know that you're in prison, right? And being a slave is exactly what the Bible calls it. Paul said, "I am a bond servant. I'm a slave to Christ, and I gladly give my life to be a slave." One writer said it like this: "We exchange living in a prison of our own hopeless thoughts." Oh my gosh. I could stay right there for a while you know, the worst place to be in my head sometimes is for me to be in my head. Man, I don't, I, I don't have to blame anybody else. I don't have to blame social media or the guy that I saw at Ingalls or I don't have to blame anybody else. It, it's the thoughts inside of my own head. So she says, we exchange living in a prison of our own hopeless thoughts for a prison built on the truth of God's word. Within that strong fortress, we anchor ourselves in the high tower of God's perspective on our future. Now, here's the next sentence I wrote, and I struggled with this, and I changed it a few times, and i got to be honest, I changed it because I thought, this is Sunday morning, this is what I need to say, but if I had said it, it, it wouldn't have been true for me. So, here we go. We may never be able to completely silence hopeless thoughts. That's not Sunday morning language. That's not what I should say. We, we can in the name of Jesus. I'm just saying. I'm just telling you my experience. We may never be able to completely silence hopeless thoughts, but we can quiet them with hope. How do we do that? Well, we quiet those Nasty thoughts when we listen to God's voice in Scripture more than the voices of the past. The voices of social media, the voices of other people, or even the voices of our own thoughts. Staying secure within the fortress walls of hope means taking every hopeless thought captive before it takes us captive. 2 Corinthians 10, uh, verse 4. Hang on. I mean, this will get you all fired up, but it's, it's a battle. Don't forget it's a battle. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to... the to the obedience of Christ it's a battle please hear me it's it, it's a battle I, I don't think we want to talk about the battle we don't like talking about the battle we're not comfortable talking about the battle in a situation like this we, we want to give some religious jargon and mumbo-jumbo and say quote this verse and rub this one and throw a pinch of salt over your left shoulder and you will be free let me tell you what it's a battle it's a battle and sometimes it's a battle minute by minute and this again this is, this is just me and way too often for me I feel like that I'm only one thought away from being overtaken by everything that I've just been freed from you with me it's a battle it's not easy you think it's easy to lose a child it's not easy you think it's easy when the doctor looks at you and says, you got cancer and you got six months to live? That's not easy. You think it's easy when somebody that, that you stood on a wedding day and you pledged your love for each other and they walk out and cheat on you? You think that's easy to get over? No. You think it's easy to get over the pain and the abuse of, of your past? No. It's a battle. Sometimes for me, I feel like I'm just one more negative thought away from being overtaken by everything I've been freed from. But that's why I have to chain myself to the truth of Scripture. I have to. And I have to allow God to rebuild in me this beautiful Wonderful sense of hope.
0: Thou for my hand and found me in the dust
1: my soul that given up. were crumbling restored you brought the light into the moon filled my lungs so I could learn to breathe again my shelter my warmth in the coldest night my helper you held me up till I could stand The promise that you are he build in me
0: Oh, I've seen the dawn Start to break between the cracks The beginnings of the day I never thought would come
1: to pass You brought me back to life You were the morning in my night Rebuilder My walls were crumbling Restored You brought the light into the road filled my lungs so I could learn to breathe again. My shelter, my warmth in the coldest night. My helper, you held me up till I could stand. The promise that you are rebuilding me to the man I am today. With all my fear and shame. You rescued my heart and showed me that joy can come through pain. You brought dancing to these streets, my second chance for peace. Rebuilder, my walls were crumbling. Restorer, you brought the light into the room filled my lungs so I could learn to breathe my shelter my warmth in the coldest night my helper you held me up till I could stand on the promise that you are rebuilding me on the promise that you are rebuilding me
4: what your unexpected tragedy has been. I don't know where your hope is struggling. Maybe your hope is for a marriage to be restored. Maybe you're afraid and you've begged and you've pleaded and you're just struggling. And maybe the circumstances are just overwhelming. And honestly, if you look at the circumstances, the fact of the circumstances say that you will never make it. maybe for you it's your body to be healed or your finances to be restored or your career to be revived or a purpose to be redefined whatever it is it's it's time to risk hoping again whatever dream that died whatever promise that you gave up on The truth of God's Word says that we serve a God with resurrection power. Listen, I I say it all the time, and I've said it with myself so much over the last few years. Either this is truth or it's a lie. It's, it's It's one way or the other, right? And if it's a lie, let's all go to the mountains next week. We would have a party, would we not? But if it's the truth, then let's chain ourselves to it. slaves to it. Say, God, this is your word. This is what you said. And I will trust you to fulfill it. Even if the facts or the circumstances are not in your favor. The truth we believe says we serve a God who redeems our lives from the pit. Who gives grace and peace instead of conflict us beauty instead of ashes. Liberty instead of captivity. Insurance instead of doubt. Hope instead of hopelessness. So every head's bowed, and every eye's closed. I just, I just know because this, this series was birthed out of a lot of pain, and a lot of hurt. Not just my personal pain, but I've walked with so many of you that have struggled for Hope so if you're here this morning and you would say man that's me I'm just struggling with hope I'm a follower but I'm struggling if that's you would you just slip up your hands because I just want to pray for you yeah thank you yeah just get them up it's okay Lord uh, you, you see the hands Lord Lord you didn't say it wouldn't be a battle in fact you told us it would be a battle you, you even give us weapons for warfare because it's a battle there are people that are here this morning I don't know their circumstances God I haven't walked in their shoes I haven't felt their pain but Lord I know what I do know is that you love them that you're crazy about them Lord and that what you long to do is to give them victory to give them hope so Lord you just speak to them right now and maybe you know I don't know maybe just what you do is just whisper in their ear and just reassure them that you love them your truth is truth and you've never failed Lord help them to make give them the strength to make that decision to chain themselves to the truth and trust you for the outcome every head still bowed uh, maybe you're not a follower of Jesus and maybe, just honestly, your unexpected event or season is the consequences of your own sin. And you know what? Maybe you've tried to fix that on your own. You've tried to be better, do better, but nothing really has worked. You're a prisoner of your own sin. And you know what? That makes perfect sense to you. I just want you to know that Jesus can set you free. He's already done the work, He, he paid the price for your sin on the cross. <laughs> he's alive and he's well and he's willing to step into your life if you'll let him those of you this morning that would say you know what I know I'm a sinner I need a savior I need some hope if that's you you're not a follower of Jesus but you'd like to be then right there in your seat just quietly maybe you'd pray a prayer something like this you'd say Heavenly Father forgive me I can't fix me I can't be better do better I am hopeless. So I'm just telling you that I believe in you. I'm asking that you just step into my life right now, that you forgive me and that, Lord, that I'll become a prisoner, a slave to you. To the best of my ability, I fully surrender to you my life. Father, um, I pray, Lord, not just for today, God, not just for today, but, Lord, for the next few weeks, Lord, as we we go through this series. Lord, as Teresa unpacks her story for us, I know that you never waste a pain. I've learned that about you, Lord. And I know that you didn't waste this hurt and this pain for her thank you, Lord, that she's willing, God, to uh, take people on that journey, that, that messy journey. And Lord, I pray that maybe by the end of this series, Lord, that we can dare to hope and dream again.